Hello and welcome to the Cycling Central podcast. Back in business for 2016 after a well-earned postseason break. I'm your ringleader, Philip Gomes, and joining us today are two regulars and one very special guest. Thank you, yeah. Phil. Oh, I'm not the special. <laughs> You're special in your own way, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. So what's been going on? Oh, mate, I, I realize I think I'm a... I'm just a world tour kind of guy because I'm pretty much haven't been following Qatar. I haven't followed. I know that Oman follows Qatar, and that's about it. Uh, well, this yeah, is bad yeah. news for today I, because I, we um, need you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I followed the tour down under. I thought it was an okay race, um, but no, I I really don't feel the season gets going until. Paris Nice. I'm. I guess I'm old school in that respect. All right. Yeah. I'm old school, but I, I must be new school as well because I think the season really kicks off with the nationals. I know we've got the the Bay series before that, but that feels like about an eternity ago. So. Mm. This uh, that that croaky voice is Rob Arnold, who's Thank the you. editor of Ride Magazine, and you've uh, judging by your Twitter feed during during January, you um, put in a lot of kilometers. Seemed you were back and forth. No, a lot. no, I was just uh, went taking photos when I was on the bike. So it was, um, you know, that short span of time. No, I tried to ride. Summer, summer's great for riding. I, I took some time off uh, over Christmas and I enjoyed the, the pleasure of pedalling and uh, riding with the kids, riding on my own, riding on test bikes, riding on mountain bikes. It was good. Which riding, recycling, by the way, if you're listening to this, you probably already know it, but it's pretty good fun to do. We've heard that. Mm. It's a rumour. Mm. It's yeah. good for your health. And now the, the, the special guest... It, who is that, oh, Phil? Well, Who is this you know, other I was, person I was, in the room? I was, I was, uh, I was thinking about oh. this uh, a fair bit, and I didn't quite know what kind of description to to add. But um, I think it's it's pretty safe to say you're the dean of Australian cycling media, aren't you, Rupert Guinness? <laughs> I was looking to my left and my right. I didn't know they make me sound very old, Phil. No, great to be back here, mate. And. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, gee, I feel like so much has happened in the last couple of months, obviously in cycling and uh, and with my own personal uh, uh, status challenges. at the moment. Yes, challenges. <laughs> I've, I've, I've left Fairfax Media and the Sydney Morning Herald after just over nine years there and, and now I'm just going to be working for myself and uh, we're getting more immersed into the world of cycling and uh, want to get back out there on the road more like what I used to do when I was living over in Europe and working for Winning Magazine and then Velo News and, and uh, I really just want to get back into that again and... Uh, so while we've had a lot of racing in the last, say, six weeks, um, a bit like Anthony and Rob, I'm really excited about what's going to kick in from Paris-Nice onwards. And that's where, you know, it's easy to get really excited and understandably about everything that's happened so far. But, you know, there's still a long, long way to go and the real big races are still to come. Now, you know, obviously, as you, as you mentioned, you know, we've had a torrid start to the year already with a tremendous amount of racing and, uh, you know, perhaps too much, but... As they say, maybe too much of a good thing is never enough, which, you know, for most people who watch cycling, that's the case because, you know, who else is going to stay up until 1 a.m. and watch a bicycle race except cycling fans? Yeah, that's what's great about the start of the season, isn't it, for Australians Mm. is we get to see it in our own time zone. It's kind of weird. And then we get to uh, adapt quite slowly with the the Middle Eastern races. I saw a little bit of coverage of Qatar. Not very much. 
I've been watching. I, I saw some uh, one team was tweeting uh, the other night about how there was a break that had 33 seconds with 50 kilometres to go, and I, I responded, "Are you trying to build the tension?" <laughs> I don't think that's working. I think we understand it's going to end in a bunch sprint here. You know. Well, ha- having said that, though, Rob, I am starting to become a little more intrigued in what may come the worlds uh, because mm. I guess I was really cynical about the whole process of electing Qatar as a as a world's candidate during that whole nomination process and I mean there's only so long you could be cynical for and then you've got to go well I have to accept that it is happening in Qatar in 2016 and so now I'm thinking well you've heard from a lot of writers such as Renshaw and um, you know other writers saying it's going to be like a Kermess and so but I, it sounds like it will be quite a a good race. I mean, it will be the first worlds which will be dead flat and it will be, I guess, um, the person who can ride almost, who has a quick finish and can ride in the wind the best may may win. Are we, are we previewing the worlds? No, we're not. Yeah. But, but if I can right. just say one thing. Yeah. Just one because they raced yeah. on that circuit <laughs> just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. One of my original concerns about, about Qatar, despite Qatar's... Uh, Position with uh, humanitarian, uh, not with. Uh, uh, human- no, I think that's, that's China. Uh, that's China. Oh, yeah. Qatar's not exactly, uh, you know. <laughs> but we can't talk about a nation that of angels either in that front. Week, yeah. But um, just, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people were talking about whether it be crowds or not at, at the worlds. But I don't think it really matters. The pelotons used to racing in front of nobody, just camels and barren desert. That's what they've been doing all these years. So mm-hmm. it's not going to affect the peloton. It's not going to affect the atmosphere of the of the worlds. It's going to be a TV event. Um, and uh, that's the way it is, and that's where all these years where they've been racing there, it's come to this, where mm. they're going to have a world championship. And um, so whether there's crowds there or not doesn't really matter. Contrast that with Richmond. I mean, I thought the, the crowds there were huge. I, I, I think it actually does matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're watching it from the It's not going to affect the peloton racing. Uh, they're just going to race. Yeah, but from a fan's perspective... Do you think it matters? Oh, well, maybe, well, maybe it will. May, will it be a draw card? Are you going to go I to th- Qatar? I think in many ways we're used to seeing Qatar. You watch, you know, the tour of Qatar. We watch it on TV, and we're used to there not being. We're used to there not being any crowds. Yeah, you know, I don't think yeah. it's. You know, it's not in our time. We're going to be back at home probably. Most mm. people are going to be back at home yeah, rather you, than you, at Qatar. You, yeah, you won't go. I'd there. rather be at home than be at Qatar, standing on the desert, mm. yeah, yeah, waiting for a race point. to come past. Yeah. But our focus today yes. yeah. right? is not Qatar. Is, it's it's not Qatar. <laughs> we're, we're still finding not... our legs because yeah, we're, we're, no, we're missing Al Hines as the host. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, Phil's, yeah. Phil's jumped in. He's yeah, ready. Yeah. I'm, and I'm he's a, got an agenda. I'm a bit more of a whip cracker than he is. So, so what's Ooh. the plan? Anthony likes the whip. Really, we're going to focus on the Aussie summer of cycling. So This is a cycling podcast, Rupert. Oh, jeez. Bay Crits, Road Nats, Tour Down Under, Women's TDU, Cadell Evans Road Race, and Jake O'Harrell Sun Tour. It's actually, you know, really, it's it's such a full calendar now. With an hour and, record thrown in. Yeah, that's right. And we may take a detour, but clearly we've already done that. Mm. Um, <laughs> We're back at the start. You know, yeah. that's right. And, let's preview the world. You know, I'm blaming Anthony for that. But, uh, let's, uh, let's go with what we're going to talk about. So what was your take on the spread of cycling on offer in Australia? Is there a better time to be an Aussie cycling fan than January? Oh, it's fantastic. 
I think it's. I mean, uh, I, I think it's great for Aussie fans to get a chance to actually see the races, you know, in front of their their noses there, and they, they can get out there on their bikes and you know for all the hours that they spend watching it uh, late at night and early hours of the morning, um, and all the times they can't get to Europe because it, because of cost factors, and the times they do get to Europe and it costs them a whack of money, uh, they finally get to see it cheaply the way it should be, and that's pure bike racing in front of you for free. Um, and I think they saw some very good racing. I know there's been a lot of attention as to whether the two down under was lacking because it wasn't like the big marquee names or whatever. But I still thought the, uh, the, the race was still a good race. And at the end of the day, that's what, what matters. Um, but on the other flip side of that, we saw the impact of having a marquee name or two. You know, we saw, you know, the Herald Sun Tour and uh, Chris Froome, to his credit, and to the Sky team, they uh, respected the race accordingly. I think they showed, though, they were on another level than the peloton to be with all full respect. But the peloton, you know, tried to give it as good as a shake as they could. And um, I think we saw a fantastic finish there on Arthur's seat. So uh, I give it full marks for me for the full season. I'd give it uh, an 8.5 or 9 out of 10. Rob? I think it was engaging for, for all the right reasons. Like if you look at the Nationals, it feels like a, a long time ago. It's only a month that Jack Bobridge went off and did his thing. But that was kind of compelling television in, in that... We, you just were expecting him to explode and I think that's what drew a lot of people in. I, I spoke with a lot of people at the Tour Down Under about Jack's performance and they were engaged all of the way because there was you were waiting for the collapse and it never came. So we saw a real big display even before that in the time trial seeing BMC do their double with Rowan and, and Richie or Richie and Rowan. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, and just seeing even Richie turn up in BMC colours and knowing that he's not part of the Sky, you know, flotilla or what's it called? What's the Sky? Clones. Clones? That's Star. Attack of oh. the clones. The scones, I guess. The Sky scones. clones. Sclones. <laughs> but just seeing him in red rather than the blue line was interesting in mm. itself. And then, you know, I, what's cool about the Australian summer of cycling, we could call it, is that you do get those, um, there's the draw cards like everyone knows old Wollonga Hill now everyone knows even um, uh, Chalambra Crescent in in Geelong and it became the focal point of of the Cladell Evans road race you know even though they they go out and back and and take in spectacular scenery it was the climb from the world championships course Mm -hmm. in 2010 which inevitably uh, created the split that won the race and I think that's kind of fun about it and and then you know the climb to Arthur's seat we've we got to see it in, in repetition on Sunday with a couple of circuits up and over and some great racing. And for Froomey to win, like you say, it's, it's mm. a great way to end what's been a spectacular summer. Yeah, I mean, I had as my... I was thinking because Phil asked us for our hits and misses and so I had as my hit TDU and my miss TDU. And <laughs> I guess there was a, there's a certain predictability about TDU and then especially when... When we knew that Gerens was in good form, it's it's that course is almost tailor made for mm. for a rider like him. And when we saw what might have been Sterling, uh, and then the, the following day um, after the the corkscrew climb, you just knew uh, there was a certain inevitability about Gerens winning there. I felt except except with with this, you know the predictability of, of the race being suited for someone like Gerens. The alternative is to have a, a course which is suited for the sprinters. Mm. We've saw a number of which years, the gravel years. I mean, yeah. uh, I wouldn't say that was on the edge of your seat sort of stuff either. No, um, no, no. And I sort of think the, the balance they've got now in the course, I can't see how much more you can actually change it 
um, than what they've got now. They've got a you know two or three no, stages. No, you don't for the want it to become harder, do you? Yeah, I don't know how they could but, make it harder without can, being longer stages. But you don't want that either. It's too but, early. But I'm you. looking. I'm looking at Qatar yeah. overnight, and mm. you know they threw in they threw in a short little TT. So yep. maybe mm. maybe something interesting, maybe a, a small, uh, a short little uphill yeah, TT yeah, somewhere. Stand corrected, good good call, Phil. Yeah. Because you know, like two down under this year, they did the uh, was it what's the summit? The Norton Summit. Norton Summit time trial for mm. the punters on the day before. Mm. Did you do that? No, I didn't. I no, went I out and I watched it. <laughs> oh, I, was, I was in the uh, media room at the uh, at the Hilton Hotel, <laughs> working studiously towards the deadline. Reese Gillett got the got the win. He yeah. he went up in eleven minutes. Something. Yeah, he won that, a thousand bucks for that. Yeah, I mean, that's quite. That's. But, fast. I mean, why not? Why not include that for hmm. yeah. you know as a as a as a prologue slash. Yeah. You know that could make something interesting. Just, just on. Oh, we'll yeah. check up the GC a bit I, too if you yeah. open. And you still with use that. road bikes then too. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's, that's right. the key yeah. so because the, they can't complain about having to bring another bike. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But well, I've heard that, it, that Norton Summit is the most stravid section in Australia, maybe even bigger than. Like maybe the world. No, I don't know. <laughs> but it, a lot of people ride it and they time themselves, right? So that, that made the, the time trial that they did on the Monday between the Classic and the start of the Tour Down Under interesting to see how other people compared with it. And I think Reese's time was excellent. But then uh, from my understanding of Strava, which isn't terribly great, um, they rode Norton Summit in stage four of Tour Down Under. Green Edge went on the front because there was a sprint not long after. And they rode very hard, so uh, but they kept the bunch together because that was their intention so that Gero could get the time bonuses at the sprint. And apparently they obliterated the best Strava times. Yeah. So even though, uh, you know, it wasn't even a categorised climb in the Tour Down Under parkour, so no one got climbing points, it was the highest point of the race and it was also an animated part, but we didn't really get to see it and understand and that so, that was a key mm. element of the whole... So really, what what you're saying, Rob, is that if you're a Victorian or South Australian cyclist mm. and you ho hold a Strava Com, if you want to hold a Strava Com, you're really better off now moving to Western Australia, Queensland, or uh, <laughs> or New South Wales because they're just going to get obliterated every year. I don't know. I, I, it's just interesting to see, but because you think at the start of a stage they're not going terribly hard. Hmm. But evidently they were because yeah. we had Durbo on the front. And Matt Heyman told me that they were sitting at the front of the bunch. A few people came up to him on the way up Norton Summit. I said, we're going to attack. And he said, well, you can, but I've got news for you, buddy. We're going mm. to chase you down. So you may as well not. So they did ride tempo and there were a few guys like Thomas the Ghent and mm. uh, who else went off? But there were four or five guys who had a little sortie and it didn't last long. Mm. And I think that that reminds us that Gero and, and Matt White and the tacticians at Orica Green Edge know how to win this race and that's the take time bonuses and had he not taken the time bonuses then we would have seen Richie win I'd imagine Yeah, well we'd remember he had his crash at Sterling we all thought mm. Gero's season was going to start as it ended Yeah, he yeah. was flattening his back Yeah, I guess for all the predictability there are elements of TDU which you can take away from that one is uh, I liked what we haven't spoken about Jay McCarthy I thought that mm -hmm. was great that he got some the limelight also Port nowhere near his form of the previous year or even the year before that but even at his level it is at now I, I thought that said a lot more his win on Wollonga this year said a lot more simply because he's He's now free to ride for himself, mm -hmm. and I think um, that unshackling of um, his his previous time at Sky, I think, will be yep. will be good for him. Yep. I think that that said 
a lot. We always said he was going to come into the into the two down under and definitely not in the same form that he had last year. I thought it was good to see Caleb Ewan sort of take another step up in his progression. There's still a long way to go there yet in his career, obviously, but he's mm. started well. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Caleb uh, when he does the Giro this year. That's probably going to be the first time we see him against all the when all the other big bunch, all the big mm. German sprinters and the likes will be there as well to see how all those, how he... It deals with all those big trains yeah. at high speed. I think that's you know. what He's I... He's raced against I, them before. I, I, I need to see that yeah. this year before kind of passing some sort of judgment on just how much he's improved. I, yeah. I, 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 I still don't know where he is. No, mm. no, We just no. know he's better than he was. We, we had this debate at Two Down Under. Somebody, uh, an erstwhile colleague, said, you know, he's a superstar. And I said, you can't call... I don't believe you can call him a superstar yet or even a star yet. I think you can call him an emerging star mm. uh, but you know he's still emerging he's still got to be tested uh, day in day out uh, like he wouldn't he wouldn't survive a tour de france well, right now you know it, it'd be t- and they're not going to put him in the tour yeah, de france I, I, I think the, the cautionary tale here is is somebody like um uh, andre gardini with uh, with astana because when he raced in uh, in italy he just smashed everyone he had seasons where he was winning you know 25 races and stuff like that and then he moves to the world tour and then you could see that you know that 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 progression just really slowed once the, he mm. ended up in the big mm. show. Yeah. So you know, I think people need to be cautious about how yeah. they view you. And even though he's clearly fast, it's mm. it's just that whole new dynamic of sprinting. You know, the way that he. Yeah. I think um, Matt White was joking that they should put a little bit of um, uh, Vaseline or, or lubricant on his helmet because it won't be long before his helmet is actually reaching over and touching the front tire. <laughs> like yeah. it is in extreme position, extreme. Um, it, it was a solid power, is, but is that, so aerodynamic. Is that, that something? He, is that something he's he's, he's refining, or is yes. that something he's just doing naturally? Like just he it was just already low, but he's worked on on getting mm. even lower. lower. Yeah. yeah. So mm. it's quite spectacular when you see that head-on shot, and and Kittle or oh no, Kittle wasn't there, but um, you know the bigger sprinters behind mm. him, and they're literally double his size. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's so low and mm. so efficient and so fast, and he can put himself in the right on the right wheel. Um, again, Matt Heyman was telling me after Tour Down Under, he was, um, f- for the final stage, he was leading Caleb out. And Caleb said, no, I'm all right. I've got the wheel that I want. You can just stay behind me. <laughs> and um, uh, and then Matt Heyman said, yeah, but I'm not getting any sit. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> but um, so he's, it, the, the point of that story is that Caleb's got such confidence now and that's going to serve him well. So long as, they, like you say, mm. they don't throw him into the into the lines then and chuck him at the tour straight yeah, away yeah. just because everyone believes that he can win everything. Yeah, because yeah, he won't win everything and he will have he will have bad periods too. Mm. That's going to be the big challenge. He, he had a couple of bad periods last year, which were he was deliberately put into races where they knew he would be stretched and he has to deal with that and learn how to deal with that and come out of it as well. Mm. The important thing for him last year was to finish a full year and have some highs and some lows, and mm. yeah. I, think, I think we saw we mm. saw some of that that stretching happen at the Vuelta. Yes, right, yeah. where you could see him struggling in in, in yeah. some situations, but then you know he somehow. Catalonia, f- he f- also struggled last yeah. year too. I think yeah. so. Did he yeah. finish the Vuelta? No, no. 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 So uh, so I think we've so, been cautious from to, to be fair to him too, yeah. in respect to yeah. Caleb as well. So we mentioned we mentioned uh, Froome, Garrow, Jay McCarthy. Uh, Caleb and, ja- and Jack a little, and a Jack Jay a little bit, a little and, bit. And, and Jay, but I mean, is there one rider who really kind of? I'll tell you who won. won. Won the summer. What about? Well, maybe not won the summer, but a guy who was an interesting story. Sean Lake, former rower, mm-hmm. 
and uh, he got third in the men's elite time trial and then he got selected in the UniSA uh, Australia team for the two down under. Day one, he was in that, uh, was, well, he was in the breakaway. He was alone for the best part of 90 kilometres on, uh, on the first stage. So it's really nice to see new names come. Oh, while well, he's been racing the NRS, but to see on that next, that next level when they're given an opportunity and they make the best of it. They're not in, intimidated by hmm. the peloton around them. And uh, I thought Sean Lake was a, was a great story to, to come out of, the, uh, out of the summer of cycling. Perhaps I had a... Uh, left the summer of cycling with a bitter taste in my mouth after seeing the altercation, if you like, between Patrick Shaw and Peter Kenyak <laughs> on the final stage. Mm. I, I, I love the way you could tell that was a producer's cut, couldn't you? Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the camera's focused on those two and then all of a sudden it went to just a random shot. Uh, it was just so obvious. But really, uh, I think it's... Again, like you said, they were at another level and you could tell the teams. I think the guy who was leading the mountains classification uh, when Froome went up to him on Arthur's yep. seat and took him out, he, he just got so exasperated because he thought this was my one chance to <laughs> yeah, end up yeah. on the podium and Froome, Froome just doesn't need it. But <laughs> Gary he, threw his bottle, uh, didn't he, after yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was like, <laughs> this, this guy's just too good. Uh, couldn't he just give me this one moment? <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get that moment again, probably. (laughs) Uh, So I thought that said a lot about... I think a lot of that um, was exasperation on behalf of the other teams of just how good a well-drilled team like Sky are. And I I was surprised, actually, that for him, one, I just didn't expect him to be that good. I know it sounds weird, but I I know he's that good, but just not that good at that time Mm. because, for example... Uh, Quintana, when he shows up to San Luis, he's not in that good shape. Whereas Froome, he, mm. he really, I I found his form scary. You know, he's a world class bike rider, and he's he's on a he's got a an agenda, and he wants to mm. go through. And and he didn't win Romandy and all the lead up races <coughs> going to the Tour last year just out of coincidence. He he mm. he's needs to be informed and he's a racer and he perform and he put on a good show. We've got a piece in the next issue about the Herald Sun Tour with by Jamie uh, Finch Pinninger and he's talking about how the the swarm of uh, cinematographers with uh, iPhones were were mulling around Chris Froome in Melbourne and then the next day it was just the couple of uh, school kids with their artwork that they'd made and they were sort of chasing guys from from uh, the map racing team, you know, around because they had no awareness of cycling. So what's good about the Sun Tour is that it does start in Melbourne and has that real uh, Insta crowd, you know, mm. the, the crowd is on hand because it's starting yeah. in Federation Square. But then it takes it to regional Victoria and it mm. exposes cycling to school children. And I guess that's the battle that the Herald Sun Tour is coming up against is that it doesn't have the luxury that Tour Down Under has of having the school holiday period. Mm. So it, it's it's a... It's a good and a bad thing. The, mm. the, the school can bring their kids out and entertain them and, and the race promoter has a, a crowd in a, in a, in a rural uh, setting. Mm. Um, mm. The, the, these are the big differences between these big races in Australia. They're the two yep. big stage races. Yeah, and then you have one, Rob, which is broadcast on a, a, a mainstream network, Channel mm. 9, Tour Down Under, versus one which is flicking between various Fox Sports channels and it's not to disparage Fox Sports, but when you put a highlights package on a different, any one of five channels on each different day of the week, even for a cycling aficionado, it's hard to 
follow mm. and different yeah, that, times that, that, and that probably reflect well that ultimately mm. reflected in the the ratings and the interest also you've got, yeah. you've got yeah. three networks now too because you think you've also got channel seven covering the Cadell Evans race, race. Mm. so your audience is having to be you know up to speed with who's got what and when okay well mm. let, let's actually talk about this a little bit because this is really interesting obviously from our perspective mm. because um you know, SBS used to be in this game in January and now we're no longer there because, you know, the race organizers for the various events have decided they want to, they want to really reach out and try to get big commercial audiences. Now, I kept a very close eye on on the audience numbers, particularly five city numbers for most of the most of the stages and, and really the key the key the key stages uh, like Willunga, like Arthur's seat uh, and also Kid Elevan's road race. To be honest about this and and maybe these these are not numbers that are uh, that many cycling fans would even be aware of so Wolonga gets uh somewhere in the order of forty four thousand five city viewers the arthur seat got somewhere around the same amount cadell evans road race got uh, 170 plus 170k plus mm. which is fantastic mm. right? wow sitting where i'm sitting i'm looking at the spread of races spread of events for me, the best broadcast was the Cadell Evans Road Race. Mm-hmm. It was the best produced, the most slick, had uh, lots of great little little options. So, and then, and of course, it was on the main channel of Seven. Had a good lead in, or a good uh, it was going to lead into something good as well. Mm-hmm. So the numbers were really high. Mm-hmm. the The bouncing around from channel to channel is a real is a real issue. But it, uh, the numbers themselves are also a concern. But that also, you but know? the bouncing between networks offers that sort of, I guess. Even though there's largely similar production teams mm-hmm. accounting for the for the coverage, but they change networks. But it gives that um, uh, the, the 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 need for a little bit of the edge. Like Channel Seven was saying, right, what we need to do is something different to what they did at Tour Down Under. So I was there. I didn't watch a lot of the coverage. I was sort of on the circuit and watching uh, and 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 enjoying the the festivities in Geelong. And there were three helicopters pretty much hovering the whole time. So they must have had spectacular uh, footage. It was fantastic. And it was, and in, it was clearly a, a massive, massive investment from Victoria. Yeah. Because I'd like to know the sort of figures that they put into that race. Because it, it was for a one-day event or mm. one-day men's race, one-day women's race and a Grand Fondo, that was a huge huge investment mm. in infrastructure to mm. make that happen and the broadcast would not have been cheap and but it's 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 very encouraging to hear that they got such great ratings which was hundreds of percent more than tour down under mm. but um i don't know being on willunga as i was as well <laughs> i wonder if that stage is is it's good for television but it's absolutely spectacular for spectators it's a real treat to be on old willunga mm. hill in january that's one of my sporting highlights being there on the saturday of tour down under yeah, that the yeah. atmosphere is electric. Yeah. You can hear the riders coming closer because the, there is a Mexican wave of noise that comes up that hill, and it's it's wonderful. Yeah, You're yeah, there. Yeah. What do you think? No, I, I agree. I think it's you know well, I'm at the top of, on the finish area there, but you know you can, you, as you said, you can hear the, the cheer of the crowd come closer towards you, and you know that there's there's the uh, the leading rider or riders are coming up, and um, you know I don't think uh, Richie Port, for example, is giving lip service when he says it's as close as to riding in a, in a Tour de France stage as you'll get outside of a Tour de France. Mm. Um, obviously a lot shorter, but, I mean, just that atmosphere, that intensity of the, of, the, of the moment, particularly if you're in the lead and you're making the stage-winning attack, you're going to get the, the, you know, the absolute op- optimal uh, noise around you and the, and the atmosphere. But I think um, 
Uh, what I liked about the Cadell Evans race, though, I, I watched it on TV, and I was actually actually because I went to the race last year, and obviously a lot of people were there to to celebrate the retirement of of Cadell, and it still ended up being a very good race. I thought mm. in, without, without Cadell, I thought I actually yep. still thought that was one of my um, most favourite races of the year, mm. uh, last year's inaugural Cadell race. But this year I really enjoyed it too. I just thought you know you could see how uh, the fact that Pete Kenyuk, who won the race, you know he raced the inaugural one. Yeah, he was in good form at, at two down under towards the end of it. He gave it a, a, a shake on Wollonga Hill, and you knew that he was going to come into that race intent to on, on how to win it, and he knew how to win it because mm. you saw with his attack there and everything like that. And uh, the, if you see the, the peloton respond to a course uh, in back to back years, you know that they're yep. um, they're anointing that course as a fair yep. course with enough challenges within it. And um, and I thought really thought the race backed up this year. I think it was actually possibly better this year than last year. Yeah, I think um, you know just following social social media, I think the consensus was that this year's race was better than last year's. Mm. But last year's was great as well. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. How did social media feel about Cadell's commentary? You know, in those closing fifty kilometres, you know, when he came in on. With um, Matt Keenan and Phil, I think <laughs> he got quite excited. Uh, yeah, he, like he kept, uh, yeah. you know, it's. Did you it, hear? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's put it this way: Cadell is, is a better bike rider than he is a commentator, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he'd admit that as well. I so, think he's still finding know. his feet, uh, uh, you know. But he seemed very yeah. relaxed walking around and enjoying himself. Yeah. And, but uh, and I, I actually wonder, Ruth, what do you make of the crowds at Tour Down Under? Were they down because of that? Well, I know that they were down a little bit. I think. I think I don't know the exact figure, but I think they were like you know around about forty thousand down for the for the week. Yeah. Um, uh, was, I still find it remarkable though that, that, that generally speaking, the crowds have have sustained, sustained. over the years, mm. particularly since um, obviously they got a massive um, impetus when Armstrong came out and, and a massive injection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> A positive influence yeah, on the arrival uh, of Armstrong, <laughs> uh, but but even even despite all that, uh, you know the crowds have still maintained since then. So it's mm. kind of reassuring to know that they, they, while they came to see Armstrong at that particular time, uh, they haven't uh, one. They've stayed to watch the race, generally speaking, mm. and they haven't really been. The, the crowds didn't go down mm. because of Armstrong's. Uh, uh, doping history and and all the other problems that the sports had, so it's just, you know it's been a sustainable market mm. within a degree or two. But I think yeah. they're gonna, I don't know, they're gonna have to find some little tweaks to the race, if not within the race, outside of the race somehow. Yeah. Well, I think. Mike Turner, I think post race he was he was banging on about a few surprises for next year. So, mm. you know, obviously that that would mean talent. That's one. Mm-hmm. I think that they've got a they've definitely got to hunt down more talent, mm. and um, and hopefully they'll do something with the course and and maybe like mm. uh, my my favorite option is to put in a short tri- short time trial. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's got to be there. the course. I mean, can mm. they really sign someone up twelve months? You know, I mean, who mm. knows what mm. that rider, where that rider, which team that rider well, might who be that rider Well, yeah, yeah. the I consensus mean, again, you know, we mm. we threw it out there, and and the consensus was everyone wants to see Peter Sagan. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. He made his debut at right. Tour Down Under. Remember when he was mm, an 18-year-old? Yeah. I've always said that the Tour Down Under, it's got a great race. You know, it's got racing action, but that's not the, that's not what draws people to Adelaide. It's the whole carnival atmosphere yeah. around it. And that was still in, 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 in big display this year. You know, going out on the bike and just every morning there were just thousands of people everywhere. And I think that's part of what the evolution of, of cycling, uh, that's part of it in, insofar that you have... 
uh, most races now have a Grand Fondo element. Well, well this is interesting because, you know, when we, so we talk about the ratings and, but is it really, maybe people, cycling is a unique sport and maybe it's, it's the case now because there are options to ride Fondos at these races mm. that people are opting to participate and hang out at the races rather than actually watch them on TV. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true, right? isn't it? Because even the national so. championships had the grand fondo on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then the women's race in the morning yeah. on the Sunday. Mm. So, you know, are we are we in some in some ways are we are we in Australia kind of leading the way in terms of how we how we package the, these events and uh, you know making not you know using the race itself the pro race as an anchor, but mm. then running all this other stuff around well, it. That's what Christian Prudhomme, uh, ACO, uh, or the Tour de France the race director, he, he made that point uh, was it last year when he came out last. Mm. And because um, he said what's what's unique about the Tour Down Under is the fact that it's not just the number of crowds, it's just they all come out on their bikes, whereas mm. the Tour de France, they still go out there in their cars, they still do it the traditional way ostensibly. But uh, Tour Down Under is like the majority of people go out there on their bicycles and they actually participate in the day itself. Mm. They're not there just as spectators. They're Mm. there as participants in the event, not obviously in the race, but as as the occasion. uh, um, In some ways, you could be saying, if you're looking for TV audiences, is the sport in Australia shooting itself in the foot by making it too good an event to get out there yeah, to, to ride the, your audience, your audience is a, is, a, is on Wollonga or at the seat. But yeah. it's also that yeah. anomaly of an event, the Tour Down Under, in that you can, as a spectator as well as media and bike riders alike, have that one base for the whole week and mm. be out and back. Like yeah. it's, it's See, doesn't happen I think that's possibly the future for, races, for, for bike racing. You know, uh, just centred around said, one. So one we all just city. stay in Paris for the Tour de France. Take <laughs> 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 TGVs to the finish and back, and, yeah. and we're back in our nice little, you know, by the yeah. River Seine at night on the yeah. harbour cruise, a port oh. on the river cruise. Then I'd go back. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just over doing seven thousand k in uh, three and a half yeah, weeks. Yeah. No, but in some ways, you, I wouldn't, but you could see that happen. Some, some organisers could suddenly realise. This is a more effective way to do it. Mm. And then that way the race organisation, everybody knows where they are at night. That eliminates the, the mad scramble across the countryside for hotels and everything. Obviously a race, a Grand Tour, I don't think you could do it or you'd have to have two or three hubs mm. over those three weeks, yeah. one central hub for each yeah. week. But I still think that would be possibly flawed. I think for a one-week race it's it's, it's viable the, elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's actually the future. I mean, if for an a cycling aficionado there is really an australian cycling fan there's no better race than tour down under to go to i think it's the perfect tourism event and the way to monetize uh the event is to make it a tourism event have it have it in the one place so yeah outside of the three uh, the grand tours that's i think that's the way to go there was uh, there were a couple of other events uh, happening so we should mention mention the women, and mm. I think um, we had the the women's TDU, but I I thought it'd be interesting to single out uh, one particular ride, which was the hour record, Bridie O'Donnell. Bridie O'Donnell. Chapeau. Yeah. Wow. I, I spoke yeah. to her on the day of the Cadell race, and did a nice little well, what I thought was a nice interview, and so far that I enjoyed it, and she was relaxed and articulate, and she talked through some of the detail of the ride. Where did, her, did you see it? I didn't go, no. Okay. So, but unfortunately, I, I watched, just circumstances dictated. Yep. I had meetings that I couldn't avoid, yeah, and, yeah. and that's what happened. But to, but she was very gracious when I said, I'm sorry I didn't turn up. She said, oh, it's okay, I had a great crowd, and she really talked about it in detail. <laughs> Her wattage wasn't exceptional. Her, um, She believes that she could have 
gone a lot further, but she maintained that she was going to break the record and she had a strategy to pace too, and she held it. And I thought what was funny was that she was saying how Anna Mears and Rick Fulcher, who were doing the commentary, she could hear everything that they were saying and she was really grateful for that. <laughs> and, and, and at one point at around the 45-minute mark, they, she, they were saying, oh, she must be starting to hurt now. And she told me, no, I, I heard that. And I thought, no, I feel great. I feel all right. <laughs> yeah. And when you, when you contrast that with a year ago and Jack Bobridge's sufferance, it was um, really quite amazing to hear. I think the hour is super still we've established that it's compelling and it's, it's a great event. And uh, I think what Bridie's done is is to ignite the, the, the women's interest in it and we see Evie Stevens is going to have a crack mm. at it at the end of this month. And, and, and I think that... We're, that's probably Brian Cookson's uh, major accomplishment is making that hour record more uh, accessible again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, 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 do we talk about Katusha or are we allowed to go there? Well, I think um, that's well, a laugh. I've just decision. made one mention about that Bridie's <laughs> ride, though. Um, you know, obviously she, she knew what she was capable of doing and she's done it. she did all the work and everything, but I was really impressed with how she was able to um, respond to her national time trial championship performance, which... Uh, <laughs> Okay, she knows better than I do what she was, what were the causes of that or not. But I mean, it was still, you know, uh, a lesser athlete could have been uh, disheartened by her perform- mm-hmm. by her performance, like what she did in the national titles. Insofar that she didn't go very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly what place she got. I th- was it was it tenth or something, or maybe fourteenth? But I remember 14th, looking at that I mean, and thinking, oh, she's no way yeah. can she get this hour. But, but no, no, no. But yeah, but, but, but her ex- her explanation post post mm. that post that uh, that race was was for me the, the the telling point, which was she's been spending a lot of time on the track, mm. right? So she, she her headspace was not. On the road because yeah. it brings up, that's a whole different kind of ride. Yeah. So you know, her she was somewhere else. So you know, I, th- I thought it was perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Rationale, and as it turns out, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good on her. I mean, she knows exactly what she was doing mm-hmm. and capable of. And we were going to publish um, her power data. Mm-hmm. We did an analysis of it, and we decided it. And um, we at the la- at the eleventh hour, Bridie asked that we not publish it. And I thought, oh, well, that in itself is an interesting story. So I spoke to her <laughs> about it. And I was sort of going in with the view of trying to convince her that we should publish the data. And, and I left the conversation by saying, can you please explain to, the, to, to my readers why you haven't? And, and it's quite simple. And, and, and she concludes her summary um, saying, um, it's, it's not every day that you get to be the best at the world at something. And I am at the moment. And I want to keep that little element of... of, of of data to myself, yeah, and because there's just this natural assumption now in cycling that we have to analyse everything, we have to see Froome's files, we have to see blah 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 blah, and understand it. And and I said to Bridie, but in a controlled environment, we can work out the barometric pressure, we can see your lap times, we can understand um, more or less your size and weight and we can and guess at those numbers and she said well then let's guess but i'm not going to give it to evie stevens no. so that yeah. she knows in advance some, what she's got to do yeah. so so what's what's interesting here to me uh, about this is that what you've got in, in bridey is you've got a, a very mature athlete who is purpose-built and purpose-trained for that event and in evelyn stevens you've got a different kind of athlete again who is obviously very good against the clock but who is a current professional rider in at, at the highest mm. level looks like maybe her 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 build-up will be a lot shorter that and she's younger how do you think that's going to play out because it's 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 going to be completely different approaches going on what bridie said i think evie's going to beat it because yep. she said that she uh, 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 my feeling is that bridie could have put a few more 
a few more kilometres. That's a bit rich, isn't it? <laughs> she could have gone a fair yeah, bit. For, for it up a, bit. a few hundred, a couple hundred metres more. She was talking like, could yeah, do I, better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, she paced at nineteen one laps, and I think that she was has now have has a view to trying to do it a bit quicker, and uh, it'll be good to see the mark change. But that's why I think it's important that when I mean, Bridie, as Rob was saying, Bridie keeps 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 her data because that's her data to be able to work on again. When mm, or if she right. does, Rowan Dennis said the same thing. You know, after his world hour record last year, when people were saying, "Can we see your data?" and he said the same thing. Why? Mm. Why, why do someone else a favour? You know, mm. um, it's everybody's got to have their own crack at the hour record. We all have to start from scratch, mm. from our, you know, what we know about ourselves and what the challenge is. That's only fair that everybody else does the mm. same thing. And and also, he said, like, I may want to have another go at this. So at least I've got my data there for me to, uh, you know, analyse and everything. So yeah, I bet Dark Bobridge wished he saw Rowan's data <laughs> before. <laughs> well, I noticed they were publishing data on during TDU. Did yeah, you see that? yeah. Also on the Cadell race, weren't they? And, yeah, and yeah. The Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we've we've got some plans for that sort of thing for TDF as well. So. Commentators' heart yeah. rates and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> how, many, how many times Phil's going to the loo? <laughs> those are those little gaps in commentary. Oh, Phil's going to the loo again. Pour the glass of water. <laughs> Well, so, can I just add another little bit about the nationals? Okay, because we've got five minutes. All right. Yeah. But just to say that. Um, what, what I like about it, and we've referenced it and it's obvious and it's modern media and everything, but the, 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 the fun of watching cycling at the moment with the, with the Twitter feed going, I don't, I'm not very good at Twitter, but it, it, the, the way that there is that interaction is, is quite fun. And I think that we're all getting used to the fact that cycling is now being broadcast in Australia, which hadn't been the case 10 years ago, for, certainly not for the nationals. That's an that's a part of the evolution. And during that time, we've got a whole new range of commentators who are offering their thoughts. Mm. And uh, I, I think that the, the, the Twitter community was really quite fun during this summer of cycling. Yep. They've, they've kind of yep. tamed themselves a bit. I think it's gone from <laughs> that, oh, who's doping, to I think, yeah, more uh, gentle. Tomorrow, who's mechanically com- doping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of, st- I mean, outside of the actual live broadcast of bike races, I, I pretty much switch off on yeah. Twitter now. Yeah. Lastly, you mentioned a K word. Katusha. Yes. So you had something to say about that, Rob, because we've got, uh, we're down to four minutes now. Okay. Just <laughs> in, in quick summary, they, they, the idea was that they made a new rule to, to cut back on doping offences by saying if one team goes for two in a 12-month span, they're gone. We're going to knock them out of the peloton. So that's happened. Now this new well, product suspended. You suspended. Should say. The Vogrenov, He he went for a, a new product that I don't remember the name of. It sounded like a hair product or but something. But it was like only that. introduced <laughs> to the water code uh, on January first this year. So you know, like there's little discrepancies. I'm not sure of the benefits that this product does. Paolini, uh, Luca Paolini went during the tour for cocaine positive for partying. And and so that by the rule is. By definition, they're gone. They have to leave the peloton. Thanks for coming, and I'm um, sorry about that. Uh, which, for all the people involved, is a great shame. But if they're going to make rules, then, uh, then they shouldn't they adhere to them? Because their justification is that Paolini, oh, it's okay, he took cocaine for recreational purposes. Dodgy. But, but, but cocaine's still on the banned list. Like, yes. I don't, can, has anyone else got a thought on it, or is it no, just I'm, me? I'm with you there, Rob. I think UCI, by... once again, found a way to trip over themselves. Yeah. Every year they find a way. You know, the handling of the Astana case, I still don't understand <laughs> that. And here we go again with Katusha. Uh, what about Paolini? He's still suspended, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. 
at the moment, isn't he? He's, uh, but they're going to throw the book at a 23-year-old cyclocrosser who didn't ride a bike that was motorized at the World Championships. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. cyclocross, you know. But so. that's just but, so rank that mm. I can't even comment on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, yeah. What part? What's the, mo- the, what's the rankest? <laughs> the, the motorized doping. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we got, what? everyone got, Everyone got pretty offended by seeing the footage of Nibbly holding onto the car in, yeah. in, in the stage of the Vuelta. That's motorized motorized and, we, and we turfed him. <laughs> and, 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 but, but just the, the premise of someone racing with a motor in there, mm. oh, God, fair income. There's like, a quick... Sticking EPO yeah. in your, in your body is pretty bad, actually. It's really, really bad. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> but sticking a motor in your bike and then claiming that <laughs> you're better than say, someone... Oh. I think better say something else. It's all right. <laughs> but, <laughs> I actually feel for the this girl who's got to live with herself. Yep. Mm. The first case, and she, yeah, it's it's a it's a very heavy weight. To oh, absolutely. The rest of her should life. be on. Yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. She's being closely supervised. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's enormously upsetting the whole set of circumstances mm. that have led to to motorized doping. And but we're talking about it. Blows my mind. But I saw, and, I saw a video the other day of, um, <laughs> of going back to 1977 where the French uh, mechanic in a bike shop was showing how to, how you can motorise a Speaking a, of a motors, bike. I think Guy has to switch off the, he does. Off the switch. Done. Yes. Yeah. Finish that we, thought, we, Rupert. Oh, I've never <laughs> what thought was that? No, 1977. There was a French. There's a video out there on on YouTube or on Facebook. I saw it where this this French mechanic was showing how you can put a battery in a bike and everything. So it's not it's not actually new. The concept of actually motorising your bicycle is not mm. you. It goes back at least seven, 1977. Yeah. So um, yeah. the concept of being a complete fraud to to motorise to win bike races. Well, it goes back to the Olympics, at the very first Olympics. Mm. People cheated, didn't they? So it is that we end another podcast on this discussion around doping mm. of all We're types back. with We're cycling. Our legs, aren't yes, we? that's yeah. right. Yeah. And it all it, it actually always <laughs> ends up coming back to that, isn't it? A little bit of doping in every single broadcast. We try to avoid it every single time, but it's yeah. modern sport. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, just like to... Rob saying he can't avoid talking about doping in any single, single. issue. That's right. That's so, right. but that's it for. Today for the Cycling Central podcast, and um, as the guys were saying a little bit earlier, you know, we I think the consensus is we all feel that um, the cycling season really gets going in March uh, with Perry Nice, and surprisingly enough, we're broadcasting that live every stage online and on SBS, and that pretty much kicks off uh, cycling for us here as well for the rest of the year. It's a lot on, and we'll have more broadcast days of cycling at SBS in 2016 that we've ever done before. And that's it. We'll see you next time.